0: It is finally game day. Tennessee and Iowa in the Cheese at Citrus Bowl. Who's going to win? How's Nico going to perform? I'm going to tell you right now here on a game day, Locked on Balls.
1: You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee
0: Volunteers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your
1: team every day.
0: Hey, good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to Locked On balls Happy New Year. Appreciate you for being here and starting your new year off. 2024 with us here on Locked On balls It's going to be a really, really good one. So I appreciate you for being here. It is game day for Tennessee. Tennessee and Iowa getting ready to play the Citrus Bowl coming up later today at one o'clock Eastern time here on Locked On balls We're going to get you set for it today. Game day scouting report on Iowa. Uh, some of these young Tennessee players to watch who are going to play a big role in this football game. And then what Josh Heupel and Kirk Ferentz had to say in Sunday's press conference, some bigger picture issues being discussed in this uh, head coaching press conference. We're going to hear from them in segment number three. So uh, anyway, wanted to get you set for that. And uh, thanks so much for making Lockdown Balls your first listen each and every day for subscribing to Lockdown Balls on the YouTube channel. Down here in Orlando for one more day, still trying to get the voice all the way back to 100%. You guys know how the uh, the, the winner can be, so I appreciate you guys for you know being patient in that regard. But without further ado, let's get into it. We talked about it earlier in December whenever we found out Tennessee's draw that Tennessee was going to take on Iowa. But who is Iowa? You know who are the who are the Hawkeyes? Um, pretty much, it's a it's a pretty solid football team coming from the Big Ten West. It's one of the weaker divisions in all of college football, but I think we can all agree that the Big Ten is. You know probably second behind the sec in, in terms of best conferences um overall top to bottom but iowa in my opinion kind of feasted on a weaker division went to the big 10 championship and of course was shut out by michigan who you know took the number one overall seed in the college football playoff rankings so um it, it, it's it's not like it's a bad football team i mean michigan's a really really good football team but i think Iowa's just kind of kind of solid top to bottom um at least on defense now you know the the jokes are there and we've talked about it a lot but Iowa's got one of the better defenses in all of the country, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. Offensively, it's a complete 180. As good as Iowa's defense is, <laughs> Iowa's offense is, is just abysmal. And uh, that might seem harsh, but it, it is what it is. I mean, you've got an offense that ranks 127th out of 132 FPS programs in scoring, allowing or scoring 16.6 points per game. You have an Iowa offense that ranks dead last in total yards from scrimmage per game at 238.8. That is last among any FBS program. You have a passing offense that averages 123.2 yards per game. That's 127th. And the starting quarterback for this football game, Deacon Hill, he averages this 91 yards through the air a contest. You have a rushing offense that's not much better, ranking, ranking 107th in the country at 115 yards point seven per game. Um again, it's an offense that has turned the football over 19 times. It's allowed 28 sacks. I'm um, an average of 59 plays per game. So it's very, very slow. A lot of 13, 23 personnel, multiple tight end sets. Um, it's it's 90s football offensively. It's it's very blue collar, but it's an offense that's not been very efficient. So for Tennessee defensively, you expect him to feast. Where Tennessee's been decimated by the transfer portal and opt-outs and injuries on the defensive side of the football where you're having to play young guys. We're gonna talk about segment number two. You're playing Ricky Gibson, a cornerback, maybe John Slaughter, a little bit of safety, maybe Jordan Matthews, Christian Conner, Christian Harrison. You're playing a lot of young guys in that secondary. You know, they're on scholarship too. I continue to say that, so it's not like you can overlook your opponent, but if you could have dreamed up a better matchup for young players to step into in their first start on this stage, I'd like to see it. I mean, this offense, especially the aerial attack, is just not good. So Tennessee's got to be ready. Don't get me wrong, but this offense is not very potent defensively. It's a completely different story. And again, we've had this conversation and I put a piece out behind enemy lines over at volquest.com over the weekend. When I spoke with uh, the publisher of the Hawkeye report, the on three, um, uh, the, the on three website for, you know, covering the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I asked the question, the defense is so good. It's, it's really superb on paper. But does it have anything to do with playing weaker offenses in the Big Ten West? And and he said, well, I mean, it's a good defense at the bottom. It's really coordinated great by Phil Parker. But, yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't have to say that had a little bit to do with it. So, again, my retort to kind of that is, uh, again, I don't care who you are. You average giving up only 13 points per game. You average giving up only 274 yards of offense per game. That's pretty good. Again, that ranks fourth in the country and fifth in the country. Overall, um, passing defense, 172 yards. That's ninth in the country. Um, rushing offense that allows only 102 yards on the ground. That's 13th in the country. It's forced 15 turnovers. It's sacked opposing quarterbacks 27 times. It's tallied 69 tackles, nice behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, again, it's truly top to bottom defensively. It is a well-rounded group. And unlike Tennessee, it's not dealing with a whole lot of opt-outs. Only opt out in this football game really of significance for Iowa is wide receiver Deontay Vines, who entered the transfer portal. He only had 12 receptions so far in the season. We'll say this, the backup quarterback entered the transfer portal. So if anything happens to Deacon Hill, who again was backing up the transfer from Michigan who started the year, I mean, there's been some injuries for Iowa. Um, Deacon Hill was not the opening day starter, but if something happens to Deacon Hill, the starting quarterback. Iowa is going to have to turn to a true freshman who has never logged a snap in a football game. Iowa has played two quarterbacks all season long. Cade McNamara, who got injured, and of course, Deacon Hill. And so a lot of inexperience, just like Tennessee. I mean, Nico's not got loads of experience, but he at least has 52 offensive snaps. And of course, he's starting this football game for Tennessee. More on that here in segment number two. So that's kind of Iowa. 10-3, 7-3 in, uh, in, in Big Ten play. Went to the Big Ten championship Lost to uh, Michigan 26 to nothing. It um, had wins over Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan. It got shut out, absolutely drilled on the road at Penn State 31 to nothing. Okay. It lost a 12 to 10 battle to M- Minnesota. And then, of course, its other losses to Michigan 26 to nothing. So outside of that Minnesota game, where it's kind of an anomaly, low scoring, that was an Iowa type football game. It lost 12 to 10. It has been absolutely blown out. 31 to nothing at Penn State, 26 to nothing in the Big Ten championship game to Michigan. It does have some impressive wins in terms of low scoring affairs. It beat Michigan State 26 to 16, Purdue 20 to 14, at Wisconsin 15 to six, um, Northwestern on the road at 110 to seven. It won against Illinois 15 to 13. It won at Nebraska 13 to 10. Again, low scoring games, and it's not like the offenses they were going up against or anything to write home about. Quickly, a couple of players of note, Deacon Hill, as I mentioned, he'll be the starting quarterback in this football game for Iowa. 1,096 yards passing on the year, five touchdowns, six interceptions. He averages 91 yards passing through the air contest, 49% completion on the season. That's not good. Again, he's got an arm, he's got a lively arm, and he's gotten a little bit better as the year's gone on, but those, you know, the, the overall stats don't lie. That is not a good look. Um, They kind of have a three-headed monster at tailback. If they're going to win this football game, they got to run the football. But Tennessee, of course, is pretty good at stopping the run. LaShawn Williams is kind of their lead back back there. He's got over 800 yards, um, only one touchdown on the year on the ground. Tight ends, they love to play multiple tight ends. Their top two tight ends are out. Both those guys are NFL guys. They're injured. They're out. So you've got um, Addison Ostrenga, who's going to be in there. Steven Stilenomas, who's going to be in there. But of course, their top two tight end options out. And, and that's that's kind of hurt Iowa offensively so far this football season. So defense, sorry, my voice cracked right there if you can hear me. Defense, you're expected to feast, right? You need to go feast, you need to go clean up, take advantage of that. Offensively, not many opt-outs for um, you know, the, the defense for Iowa. They play a multiple 425 front. Joe Evans is the guy to look out for. Off the edge up front on the end, five and a half sacks, nine and a half TFLs. The the captain, the leader of this defense, the best player, Jay Higgins, the linebacker, a consensus second-team All-American, 155 tackles on the season, an interception, forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, four TFLs, has a sack. He is a really, really good player from the second layer. Uh, Cooper Deshaun, who is a really good cornerback, got hurt in November. He's out, not going to play in this football game. Um you got a couple other you know guys who stand out defensively. Quinn Schultz, the free safety, is a guy that does some things. Sebastian Castro uh, plays that star position. He has three interceptions. So again, not like anyone that stands out outside of really Joe Evans and, and Jay Higgins, the linebacker in the defensive end. But overall, just a really sound football team. So that's who Iowa is. We'll see how Tennessee kind of combats that and who you know what Tennessee looks like in this football game. Some keys to victory some uh, freshmen that I'm going to be on the lookout for, and I think you should as well in this football game. That is coming up next as we continue on with this game day edition of Locked On Tennessee and Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. More on the show coming up next. I do you want to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. The NFL regular season, it's starting to wrap up right now, but there's still time to get in on all the action over at FanDuel. FanDuel, it's America's number one sports book right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 five dollar bet, that's it. Okay, I'm gonna read that again. 150 in bonus bets guaranteed. All you need to do is place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet. You can do live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new explore tab. You can make a parlay in the parlay hub. The best way to find popular parlays is that parlay hub. The totals, spreads individual player props, team player props, all that and more you can find on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, it's the official partner of the NFL. Big thanks to FanDuel as always for being a proud sponsor of the show. Again, players to watch, keys to victory for Tennessee over Iowa. That is coming up next right here on Locked On Valls. All right, guys, welcome back into your Monday edition of Locked On Valls. Happy new year, hope everybody enjoyed uh, safely, responsibly, their New Year last night, their New Year's Eve last night, and uh, getting ready for game day here on a Monday. Tennessee in Iowa, the Camping World Stadium. That's coming up from Orlando, Florida, 1 o'clock Eastern time. The telecast will be on ABC, and of course, tons of coverage over at VolQuest.com before the game, during the game, and after the game. So, I uh, wanted to make a list of some players that I'm going to be looking forward to seeing play today. Again, bowl games, bowl season, it's all about... The young guys. Uh, you've got players who are opting out for the NFL draft. You have players who are entering the transfer portal. These players are not playing in bowl games for the for the most part. And Tennessee, you know, was hit was hit with that bug very very extensively. What Tennessee does best offensively is run the football. Tennessee's top two running backs, Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, have opted out of this football game. So it's going to be Dylan Sampson and Cam Seldon. Uh, Tennessee, of course, starting quarterback Joe Milton opts out of this football game. So true freshman, five-star, former number one overall recruit in the 2023 cycle, Nico Iamaliava, getting the start at quarterback. That's huge. The defensive backfield, Wesley Walker was already injured. He wasn't going to play, but he enters the transfer portal. Okay? Starting quarterback Danico Slaughter enters the transfer portal. Not going to play. Starting star, Nickelback, Tamir McDonald enters the transfer portal. Not going to play. Your starting cornerback that was playing at a really high level midway through the season, Kamal Haddon. Of course, he's injured, not going to play. So what's that secondary going to look like for Tennessee? And we'll kind of start this conversation here. Players I want to see ball out. Players I'm going to be looking for and expecting big things from in this Citrus Bowl, especially against an offense in Iowa that is not very explosive. Gabe Julali is going to be on one side starting a cornerback. On the other is going to be Ricky Gibson. Ricky Gibson, again, has been of those three freshman cornerbacks he's the one that's actually seen the most playing time should have seen a lot more playing time in my opinion but he got on the field at big snaps against florida he got on the field at points and times throughout the year um he's gotten his toes wet he's getting his first start you know he was often overlooked by jordan matthews in this class as you know being just that other cornerbacker you know that other cornerback along with christian Conyer when jordan matthews was the headliner but ricky gibson his first starts coming up today, what does he look like? I'm excited to see what Ricky Gibson can look like. And then on that note, because Haddon is injured, because Slaughter has transferred out, Brandon Turnage has transferred out, Warren Burrell has transferred out, Deshaun Rucker has transferred out, your your depth at the cornerback position is gone. So if somebody gets hurt, if somebody's helmet comes off, if you want to influx a bit of a rotation, the next men up is going to be freshman Jordan Matthews and freshman Christian Conyer. I haven't seen those guys play hardly at all outside of special teams. What can they do at the cornerback position? You know, Tennessee had to have Christian Conyer in the recruiting cycle from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Tennessee won for Jordan Matthews over Texas. Huge recruiting battle and was able to hold on when LSU decided to start actually recruiting the Baton Rouge native during his senior campaign. Tennessee held on and won that one. You know, what do these guys look like? I'm excited to see... What they can do against an offense that is battered, bruised, slow, plays more tight ends than it plays wide receivers, and a quarterback that is completing 49% on the season. Call me crazy. I think Tennessee's defense can have a day. And and, and mind the fact, too, it's almost a lose-lose for Tennessee's defense, right, and Tim Banks. If Tennessee's defense balls out, okay, it's expected. This offense is atrocious. If Tennessee's defense allows some plays, allows Deacon Hill to throw it around a little bit. It's like, what are you doing? This offense is atrocious. So the worst case, or, or the, the most you can hope for is that Tennessee goes out there and handles business, right? And then we can debate the semantics all the offseason. So anyway, players I'm looking forward to seeing. Number one's Ricky Gibson. Well, in no order, because Nico's number one. Ricky Gibson, Jordan Matthews, Christian Conyer. I think Christian Harrison can get a little bit of run <clears throat> at cornerback. We'll see what that looks like. Of course, he's not a true freshman. He's actually a sophomore, or actually a redshirt freshman. Um, we'll see what he looks like. I think because of the depth that, you know, he can get a look. And um, you know, we'll be interested to see if he kind of moves to the safety position. Um, you know, over the offseason. But Christian Conner, Christian Um Harrison's another one to look out for. At the safety position, again, Wesley Walker's not gonna play. You'll have Tate McCullough, Jalen McCullough back there. You'll have Andre Turrentine. Of course, Andre Turrentine started the last couple of games of the season, and backing up those guys, I think, it's gonna be a freshman and John Slaughter. Now, you know, walk on Will Brooks is also going to be a backup at the star position and at the, at the safety position. He played a lot down the stretch against Georgia, Missouri, and of course, Vanderbilt. But I think John Slaughter is going to be one of those backups at the safety position. And he's a guy the coaching staff really likes, a guy the coaching staff had to have in this cycle. What does he look like? Because we've not seen him play hardly at all at the safety position. You know, we've seen more freshman corners play than we've seen he play at safety because Wesley Walker... Tate McCullough, they play every snap of every football game. So John Slaughter is going to be out there. Of course, Jordan Thomas is going to start at the star position. We've seen a lot of him. Um, He's not a freshman. He's a sophomore. I really like what he can do. He's just been bit by the injury bug early in his Tennessee career. So those are the the, the young guys on the defensive side of the football that that I'm intrigued to see. Let's flip it over to offense. Of course, Nico's the the one there. But the conversation here is going to start with Cam Seldon. No no Jalen Wright, NFL bound. No Jabari Small, he's attempting to go to the NFL as well. So you have Dylan Sampson, and that's great. You like Dylan Sampson. You've seen a lot of Dylan Sampson. You know what Dylan Sampson can bring, but Dylan Sampson has averaged less than seven carries a football game this year. He's still been super productive, right? He still had eight touchdowns on the season, four in the opening game. He took over the fourth quarter against Kentucky. He had long touchdown runs and some of those lower, um, those against those lesser opponents. I mean, he's played a lot, but now he's going to be RB one. What's that look like? I still think Tennessee's going to play multiple backs, and that other back that's going to play and see not only his most playing time so far as of all, but he's going to be a huge part of the game plan is Cam Seldon. You know, the dynamic, bigger-bodied wide receiver that's playing a little bit of running back here at Tennessee. Um, kind of reminds you of Debo Samuel a little bit. That was that was the the generous comparison coming up in the recruiting cycles, right? But Cam Seldon, what's he going to look like? He's a bigger back as well. And going up against a big physical front seven, that of Iowa, I think this could be a Cam Seldon type game. I think this will be the coming out party for Cam Seldon, so I'm excited to see that. Ethan Davis has gotten a little bit more run in bowl practices, and that's good to see because, of course, he's going to be the tight end next year. It's going to start with him and then Holden stays. With two six-year seniors in a bowl game. Call me crazy. I got to see Ethan Davis, you know, play a snap to think that he's going to be a part of this offense in a normal, you know, situation. But he got a little bit of run and ball practice. So we'll see if Ethan Davis is a part of the offense in this one. But of course, the conversation starts and ends. And what everybody around college football fans, everybody, you know, rooting for the SEC, Tennessee fans, of course, Sneaky Nico the quarterback. This game had no juice. This game had no juice. Iowa was boring to watch offensively. I love defense, but not anybody else loves defense. Nobody appreciates defense anymore. That's Iowa. It's a blah brand of football, but it won 10 games. Tennessee got Iowa. Tennessee already seen Iowa in the tax-layered Gator Bowl. Wasn't too long ago, right? 2015. This game had no juice. Tennessee was limping into this bowl game. Picked up a big win over Vanderbilt, obviously, because Vanderbilt sucks, but he got destroyed by Missouri and Georgia the two weeks prior. Tennessee was eight and four. Not horrible, but a little disappointing, right? This game had no juice. You came in with a starting quarterback that you appreciate that did a, that did some good things this year, certainly had his struggles. Fans are very polarizing of this guy because he's not Hendon Hooker. It's Joe Milton. But then Joe Milton opts out. Nico gets his first start. This game now has some juice. And again, not just for Tennessee fans, but for college football fans. That cycle, it was Arch Manning, Malachi Nelson, Dante Moore, Nico, Iamaliava. You know, some of these guys have already seen played a little bit. Here's Nico's chance. Can't wait to see him. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to make mistakes. Does he make the same mistake twice? He needs a run game. Okay. Take some pressure off your young quarterback. Let him rip too. Let's see what you got, but take some pressure off your young quarterback. Run the football, Dylan Sampson, run the football, Cam Seldon. Tennessee's tempo should attack and should really hurt the Iowa defense. Even though Tennessee's running at slower tempo this year compared to last last year and the year before, Iowa has not seen anything like what they're about to see tempo-wise against Tennessee. Get that first-first down, wear out that front seven, do not allow Iowa to substitute. It's going to be kind of a shock factor. I expect success in drives one and two for Tennessee offensively. What does drives three and four and five look like of the first and second half? What do those drives look like when Iowa's had a chance to adapt to catch its breath and to make in-game adjustments. I'm intrigued. I know you are as well. Can't wait to see Nico, what he has to what he looks like, what he does. Super excited about that. But tons and tons of young players, not just Nico Imaliava. Tons and tons of young players in this football game to look out for. And um, it's gonna be a big one. It's what bowl season's all about, right? This game is exciting again for Tennessee fans and one that we've been looking forward to a lot. Uh, for the last couple of days when we come back what did head coaches joint press conference on sunday kirk ferentz of uh, iowa josh heupel of tennessee what did they have to say about the bigger issues in college football when they were asked about it that whole lot more is coming up next as we end this monday edition game day edition of lockdown balls all right guys welcome back into your final segment here of your monday game day edition of lockdown balls tennessee and iowa's coming up At one o'clock Eastern Time, that game is going to be on ABC. Pre-game coverage, game thread coverage throughout the ball game, and of course, post-game coverage right here on Lockdown Balls and over at Ballquest.com. So, Kirk Ferentz and Josh Heupel met with the media. Um, Every bowl game has a type of joint press conference the day before, or you know, sometime during bowl week. We've already heard from captains. We've already heard from coordinators. We went and heard from a couple different players, including Nico Iamaliava, after practice earlier this week down here in Orlando, Florida. Time to hear from the head coaches in this joint setting. They posed, they had some Cheez-Its, you know, it was really awkward and all that. It just is what it is. But they got to the podiums and it was much like a presidential debate more than anything. It was weird. And it's, I mean, this happens everywhere, not just in in, in Orlando, (coughs) excuse me, not just in Orlando, not just for the Citrus Bowl, but you know, these type of press conferences during poll week happen all across the country and you know we talked about the game at nauseam throughout the week and throughout the month really and so there were a couple questions asked about the game but more so than anything you're asking these coaches about bigger problems in college football about issues that need to be rectified and so a lot of that was asked to Josh Heupel a lot of that was asked to Kirk Ferentz I I cut a couple of these up and I wanted to bring them on the show Uh, the first one I'll play here is about tampering tampering is a real issue transfer portal You know, teams or representatives or whatever reaching out to people, maybe on your roster that haven't even entered the transfer portal yet. How do you combat tampering in this era of college football? Here's what Josh Heupel said about it, and then Kirk Ferentz follows.
2: Yeah, certainly uh, a part of it. Um, You know, players have so many different people um, as they're going through their process early uh, as young players, um, you know, before the recruiting process even starts out from you know people that are, are training them to the high school coaches, the people that they have relationships with, 707 and that type of thing. So uh, it's certainly a, a, a part of uh, the college landscape right now, Wish I had a silver bullet to, to change all of that. don't think I do.
1: So I'm thinking of a funny story. Uh, it's probably 15 years ago. Uh, we had a guy visit our campus for maybe all of, I don't know, 16 hours because, you know, he had to move and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was told afterwards give give his, his mentor, Omar, Uh, a phone call. So anyway, I gave him a call and, uh, yeah, we're talking about, about the situation a little bit. And I finally asked Omar, I said, uh, if you don't mind me asking like, what, what is your role? Like what's your, I'm a mentor. I'm a mentor. So the young man that we were talking about was about six foot seven, 330 pounds. I just, I didn't ask him, I was really curious. Like you, you mentor anybody on the chess team or the debate team. Uh, so, you know, sometimes those things happen. It's really unfortunate. And, um, you know, they're predators in every, every, every business, every profession. But, uh, yeah, you know, when people are really invested in young people, that's a good thing. And uh, you see a little drift now. Some, you know, players uh, have to train with this guy instead of their high schools. And, you yeah, know, it's just, it's a it's world we're living in right now. And, you know, what we do isn't really that hard. Like, training is not all that hard. It's a matter of hard work, having a good plan and right down the list i mean none of that stuff is really that complicated but what is complicated just all the uh peripheral noise and peripheral interference and all those kinds of things so again it circles back to you know you got to get kids who can focus on things that are important and, and keep their attention there yeah whether it's you know playing in a game like this or you know you're around there's always something that's it's an obstacle and distractions aren't new uh to life i mean you know i did coach like i said started in the late 70s but um you know the distractions that are available now have really changed and social media has really driven that too but so it's just you know it's it's, it's a there's there are more things to try to be proactive about than there used to be i guess so you heard it there kirk
0: farence actually went into the detail about a story that um you know he, he kind of called back from from the past that kind of went with this and it's like you know are you gonna are you gonna mentor someone on the chess team someone on the swim team and i mean there's there's predators out there i mean there's there's people trying to take advantage of other people's successes, and, and that's in all walks of life. But it's really unfortunate, you know, when that happens to young people um, who, who might not know any better. And so it just kind of is what it is. Want to play one more. Got a couple here. Maybe I'll, I'll play some more on the shows that, that precede the Citrus Bowl later in the week. I'll be traveling back a little bit on Monday nights. I'll finish the journey on, on Tuesday, and then I'll, I'll record Wednesday's show whenever I get home. Uh, next one I'm going to play here is if you're a coach, how do you manage the month of December? We talk about silly season all the time, right? The chaos, the, the craziness in December, you know, finishing out the regular season, maybe playing in the conference championship game, you know, looking at these COVID seniors. Are you coming back? Or are you not coming back? Transfer portal, departures, um, trying to recruit out of the transfer portal, finishing off the the signing class, um, you know, individual meetings, re-recruiting your players to your roster. All that happens in the month of December. And, oh, yeah, with the 12-team college football playoff starting next year, You're going to be planning for football games during this time. How is that going to work? Here's Josh Heupel and then Kirk Ferentz.
2: Yeah, and if you look at the placement of the the first round of playoffs, everything that's going on in those first couple of weeks of December, how you add in preparation for a game uh, of that size and magnitude uh, during the course of what's happening, it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't on the phone or, or flying somewhere or in somebody's house or you know out of school uh, every minute of the day. Um, there's not enough time to accomplish everything that you needed to at this point in the season or at this point in the calendar. Let alone if you are preparing for uh, a game like that. And, you know, that's where I, did, I again the calendar of, of how everything unfolds. The game has changed so quickly, so dramatically. Uh, I
1: do think it's something that uh, that we got to look at. Those are just some of the un- unintended consequences that we really don't give thought to before we make decisions, and you know, there aren't any. In my my opinion, is it's like a lot of things that are going on right now. You know, we we always lead with you know what's what's best for the student athletes, but we don't always practice that with some of the decisions we make, and um, you know, there, there are certain absolutes I kind of try to live with, and uh, when when you're when you're involved in game prep, when you're involved in Competition, like, you know, in my mind, our focus needs to be on our players, the guys that are on campus. That's what we promised them in recruiting. And then, you know, meanwhile, we're, you know, playing Joshua, we're flying over here and seeing this guy and all that kind of stuff. And um, so it gets a little bit tricky that way. And in my mind, you know, the competition part of what we do uh, should be protected, really should be protected for everybody involved. And, you know, so there's a lot of gray air right now, and that, that's something we're going to have to work through, I think, sometimes, again, that pressure, the playoff pressure, the, you know, we got to do this, got to do that. I've always marveled at You know, North Dakota State's a great example because they go every year and play 18 games. Like, how do you guys do that? You take finals and just all those things that they have to work through. Uh, it's, it's really a heck of a challenge. It puts a lot of pressure on the players, too, and that's uh, not to mention the wear and tear of a season because it's, it's a hard game. It's a hard game to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, and, and, and that's something that we just don't know about right now. Um, you know, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the LSUs, you know, some of these other, you know, teams the last couple of years um, who have been par- preparing for uh, an SEC title game, uh, and then subsequently, you know, p- preparing for the college football playoffs in, in recent memory, they've been preparing for the real deal during this month of September, or December. And still having to do all this stuff but now you open the door to where you know this year Ole miss would be in that conversation this year missouri would be in that conversation last year tennessee would be in that conversation so how do teams handle that again nine million dollars is a lot of money that's what josh Heupel makes annually but good grief i i would never want to be a college football coach never and i don't know about you but i would not want to handle all that crap. Um, we'll talk more about this later in the week. Interesting stuff. Good comments from both Josh Heupel and Kirk Ferentz in the uh, joint press conference, head coaching press conference, Sunday from the Rosen Plaza Hotel in downtown Orlando, Tennessee and Iowa. Cheese it, Citrus Bowl. It is happening today. ABC, one o'clock kickoff time Eastern Time, and uh, we'll recap it all, everything that and more on a on a. Uh, on a, on a Tuesday lockdown, balls. Appreciate you guys as always. We'll see what Nico can do, we'll see what these young guys can do and i uh, can't wait to see what tennessee looks like against iowa and i'm sure you don't either or i'm sure you can't either my prediction for tennessee you win this game slightly over the total over there FanDuel sportsbook 35 and a half tennessee's favor by five and a half points that total of 35 and a half give me tennessee winning a low scoring affair 24 to 13. yeah that's low scoring in, in football and hey 2024 i gotta say that now happy new year and happy game day more on lockdown balls. We we'll recap all that it was—the Citrus Bowl on a Tuesday. Lockdown balls. Stay safe, everybody.